Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. And hey, before we dive into our awesome guest, let's handle some bona fide housekeeping. If you haven't already, hop on over to Amazon and grab a copy of my new book, Easy Everyday Habits to Be More Eco-Friendly. Now, you may be saying, okay, great, what the hell does eco have to do with feng shui? Uh, like everything, feng shui is all about properly aligning energy to increase flow and abundance in your life. This is not only true for your home, but it's true for your neighborhood, your city, your state, And of course, Mama Earth. Everything has chi. And let's face it, Mama Earth's chi is kind of sick right now, right? We've been like some serious parasites here. So I've put together the, what I consider the ultimate guide for anyone that has no idea where the hell to start, thinks it's someone else's problem, or is just too damn lazy to do it. This book will show you how. So let's start cultivating this planet and get our nature spirits back because that's what's going to help us thrive and feel better and get rid of all this it called stress that we have in our personal chi. All right, number two on our housekeeping list. If you are interested in learning more about this feng shui stuff, my new course, Mastering Feng Shui with Confidence, is going live in a month. So enrollment for the course will open up in a little over a week. So if you're interested in learning more about this rad skill, you're going to want to get on the wait list to get notified. You can go to the website and all the way to the right-hand side of the navigation bar is a button called Energy Course. You can sign up to get on the wait list there. And seats are limited. I'm only going to take about 25 to 30 students. I'd actually like to keep it closer to 25, but we'll see what the response is. And those who are on the wait list are going to be notified when the cart enrollment opens. Woohoo! It's going to be exciting. It's a great course put together some fantastic information in it. It's gonna blow your mind, it's awesome. Okay, thirdly, many of these interviews that I do on the podcast get videoed and so I place them up on the YouTube channel and they are never in sequence. So (laughs) if you go over there right now, this interview is, you know, I probably put it up a month ago. So sorry about that, I'm just not that organized. But if you're totally bored, like on a Sunday, you can binge watch some totally rad feng shui videos. So just go over to YouTube and type in uh, Amanda Gates or Gates Interior Design and the channel will come up. We have like over 100 videos on there. Okay, so for the whole reason that you're here today is to meet my next guest, Brody Welch. Now she and I attend this super high program, this high level conference in San Diego that's by invitation only. I know, sounds totally fancy, but it's been built and done in this way to make sure that people are serious about their craft and they're serious about changing the world for the better. I love this. I love that they are, they have really put this conference together together to help people learn how to serve and to give back in big ways. So I'm constantly talking about the importance of personal chi. You can feng shui your house till the cows come home, but if your chi is not strong, if it's not vibrant, if it's not healthy, the feng shui of your home can then become difficult. Think about the frequencies. They don't match, right? If your house is totally vibing high and you're totally vibing low, it's a direct mismatch in frequencies. So every single one of our clients that works with me and my firm, this is the secret ingredient. Feng Shui is a whole mind, body, spirit, home connection. In fact, 
my kick-ass client Leslie from San Francisco will be on the show in two weeks and she's going to be talking about how much her personal chi has changed and how that has completely boosted her feng shui, which has then boosted her personal chi. It's like this symbiotic relationship. And so that's why I've asked Brody on the show today. She is a TCM, better known as a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. And what they do is they look at the subtleties of energy of our personal chi to make sure that you're in balance. And this brings forth harmony in all areas of your life. And uh, hello, that's what we do with feng shui for the home, right? We're looking at the alignment, the energy, the subtleties in your home, which is causing a disconnect. And that's, you know, you're not getting the stuff that you want in life because the energy is out of sync. So combined by doing these things together, you will accelerate the energy around you and it's like freaking confetti bombs of happiness and joy and things aligning in your life. So you may be saying to yourself, great, how is this podcast going to be different? How is it going to change my life? Today, we're going to talk about how to be well in a busy world. We're going to talk about this idea how in our culture, we are praised for being busy. And instead, we are here to help change and shift the paradigm into this idea of embodying self-care, embodying self-respect, and breaking our yang addiction. I just love that. I love that idea of breaking our yang addiction of the go, go, go mentality. Because we have been socialized to think that if we are not going and we're just being, it's selfish. And little things, little tweaks that you can make every day that will start making a big difference. Sounds like feng shui. All right, you ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the show. This is Amanda Gates. And today I am so excited to have Brody Welch on the show. Welcome, Brody. I'm so glad to be here, Amanda. Yeah, it's funny because we actually had Brody scheduled a little bit earlier this year and she got sick. And so I actually like it when things like that happen because I feel like it's divine intervention and there's a reason why it got pushed. There's a reason why the information didn't occur when it was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, today is the day. Today is the day. What will happen? <laughs> yeah. So tell the audience a little bit about uh, what it is that you do and how you got into what it is that you do. Well, I, uh, my background is in Chinese medicine, and, but what I, it, which means acupuncture, Chinese herbs, uh, teaching Qigong meditation, um, and how to apply lifestyle, like how to align our lifestyles and diets with the principles of yin and yang. And what I realized after about 15 years in, in clinical practice is that no matter what people were coming in for, um, whether it was um, fertility or autoimmunity or you know back pain or insomnia or digestive stuff, that really a lot of the a lot of the advice that I was giving them was the same, and it was a lot of this uh, the basics of self care or uh, what I'm now calling embodying self respect. That this idea that in in our culture we don't really get we get praised for being busy and exhausted all the time, and those are exactly the things that keep us from doing the things that we need to be doing to take care of ourselves. And I also host a podcast called A Healthy Curiosity, and I interview experts from all different stripes of, in the healing arts. And so whether, whether I'm talking to like a heart expert or a brain expert or a, no matter who it is, everybody's giving the same advice. And it's the kind of thing where like, okay, maybe actually people don't need a differential diagnosis so much as they actually just need help implementing these things that we all know that we need to be doing to take care of ourselves. So that's where um, I, I, have a, I help people actually bridge the gap between the good intentions and making it happen as far as things like having a body-mind practice, getting enough rest, getting enough nourishment. Breaking our yang addiction is really sort of like what, how I would put it in Chinese medicine terms. And I do that in uh, group programs. Uh, called, well, I have a group program called Level Up Your Life. And it's a, the other thing is that like we can't, we, it's, it's so hard to get healthy alone because we've got the whole culture stacked against us, rewarding us for overextending ourselves. And that, that's especially true for women who 
tend to get paid less on the dollar than what men earn and what are typically expected to do more of the, the caretaking, um, whether that's for elderly parents or kids or the household. And so that just that, that idea that like taking time to take care of ourselves in these ways that are, that are truly uh, essential to health and happiness a lot of times women are socialized to feel like that's selfish to actually do those things. And so I am, I I am on a mission to help women actually put themselves at the top of their own to-do list and recognize that when they do that, everybody else benefits. And so I still have a clinical practice. I still sling needles and prescribe herbs, but mainly what I'm passionate about is, uh, is changing and putting a dent in this culture. I, I love like literally everything that you were just saying. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, as you were saying, a lot of what you're doing in your practice is, you know, breaking our, our young addiction and embodying this idea of self-respect because I do that a lot in my feng shui practice. You know, it's, it's this idea of, I love what you said about we're praised for being busy. Um, it's so true. I mean, it's like you're not productive if you're not busy. You're actually considered lazy if yes. you're not busy. And right. I love the idea of, you know, it's not selfish to take care of yourself because you cannot, uh, my grandmaster that I still work under, she says all the time, you can't operate without a full cup. And it's so true. It's like asking a car to move forward without gas and we do it daily. Well, and, and we, the thing is we can, you know, like that, just that, that whole, like put your own oxygen mask on first before helping other, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it sounds, it, it's, there's, there's definite truth to that. But what I so often see is that people don't actually believe that until something major hits, you know, until, until they get the major diagnosis and then they're motivated to, to, to put more than a quarter tank in their, of, of gas in their tank if we're going to continue this metaphor. Because the truth is you actually can run on fumes for quite a while, you know, like, I, but, but you're, you're headed down a path. Like, and this is where I think Chinese medicine has, um, has a, a unique perspective because in, in allopathic medicine, the definition of health is the absence of disease or injury. So basically it's like, if you're not broken, you're healthy. <laughs> if there's not something actually wrong, you're healthy. And in Chinese medicine, we have this idea that there's a spectrum that imbalances in the energy occur before disease. You know, so you could have things going awry that are on the, on the level of an imbalance in the system and, the, and, and not necessarily know until symptoms start showing up. And at that point, it might be too late. And so the, this idea of not having to wait for the wake up call um, to, to start actually taking it seriously, that we are, that we are worthy of taking care of, that we are people worthy of being taken care of and the people and our own best caretaker is ourselves. Yeah. And it's funny that you, you literally, the, the next question that I was going to ask is, is how allopathic medicine really differs. Because one of the things that I do love about my TCM is that it's all about the subtleties and it's the subtlety yes. of energy. And I feel like he can really grab things when they're still what I call in our personal Wi-Fi, which is our energy mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. But he can grab things when it, it's just a, a, just a, a little knock, when it's just, just starting to show up. Whereas I feel like allopathic medicine is, it's like, it's, you know, like you said, it has fully manifested. It's in full disease mode. And then that's when you're like having the, oh shit moment. Like, I guess I got to change my lifestyle. So yes. I love the idea of traditional Chinese medicine because it is so much more about the subtleties and understanding energy um, and making those minor tweaks before it does manifest into physical form. Whereas I feel like allopathic medicine is the polar opposite of that. It's like, oh, you got a tingle in your foot? Who cares? Just come back to us when it's like, you know, your foot's falling off. <laughs> Yeah, or or like, oh yeah, even though these these blood sugar numbers or these triglyceride numbers are trending in this different direction, we're not going to actually teach you how to change your diet to get them to go down. We're just going to medicate you for life once they cross this particular threshold. <laughs> and it's like it's stunning to me. But that's and actually, and this is not to 
this is not to be down on doctors. A lot of them, a lot of times they feel like their hands are tied. Um, it's, it's so much bigger than that in terms of what insurance will pay for, you know, and so actually educating our patients is not something that our current system of healthcare supports and something that, that people obviously are, are are in need of and are, and are willing to, to go outside quote unquote, the system to, uh, to get their needs met because I think smart people get that it's interconnected and that, and that what we do every day has this compounding effect about how we end up feeling. And so if we change, a lot of the times it really is the small things that over time, this like interest in your bank account adds up, that the small habit tweaks, that they, they just change course, just like if we're, if we're heading due north and we change course, just even like 10 degrees and you multiply that out, like if you're, if you're on a ship and you multiply that out over, over several miles, you'll end up in a wildly different destination than, than where you were first headed. And so it's like, we have a lot more power than we're, than, than we're made to think, I think, in, in, in our society. And Chinese medicine, in addition to being able to pick up on the subtlety as you were appreciating it's also the original body, mind, spirit medicine. And so the, the idea that our thoughts are energy and our emotions are energy, just as the amount of energy we have in our digestive system or in our immune system or our circulatory system, that these all are one and the same. And that there's, there's relationships that, that each of the organs have with different psychic processes and with different emotions. And so it's, it's the kind of thing where it's, it's, um, it's a very it, it's a it's a science really of mind body spirit medicine and being able to like that for example knowing that pent up emotions of any kind are going to stagnate the chi they're going to cause stress they're going to cause uh, basically energy not to flow well in the body at all and so it, that it's so it, emotions are one of the three causes of disease in chinese medicine yeah, which is exactly what feng shui is too. It, it's really the, the uh, dis-ease of energy within a home that stagnates, yeah. that manifests, uh, and shows up in our life. They're, they're very closely related. Um, and, and I so agree that disease is emotional. I, I think that, um, you know, we really do harbor things um, on a cellular level. And what I'm curious about is what your thoughts are on why health, health like this? Because being healthy is not profitable. So that's where, you know, big pharma really comes in. They want to keep you sick because then that keeps you, you know, uh, really addicted to your prescriptions and, you know, it, it's profitable. So why has health and wellness gotten so hard for people? Why have they gotten so far off car, you know, course and, and really believed in this idea that, well, in order to fix this, I have to take a pill versus eating well, getting the subtle energies right, you know, drinking plenty of water, like, where is that disconnect? And, and why have so many people, you know, kind of gone off course from that? Well, I really, I, I, again, broaden out on this, because a lot of people blame themselves. And I really see it as much more systemic than that. For example, um, it, that right now, um, if we if we look at eating eating whole foods right eating eating food that <laughs> that our bodies recognize that comes from nature that hasn't had a zillion um, manufactured chemicals preservatives um, rancid oils it, they, um, the the average person is running ten thousand times more sugar through their system than our ancestors were just a few generations ago um, there are you know in the United States our government subsidizes um, corn, soy, um, and wheat as 99% of what uh, of, of the money that that is given to quote unquote farm, um, and the one percent goes to fruits and vegetables, and so and so it's the kind of thing, and so we're so we're like heavily subsidizing cheap food like Coca Cola, right? You know, like the like the the processed stuff that because really wheat, corn, and soy are the basis for pretty much any processed food, and. So, so basically what's available everywhere is the stuff that's exactly wrong for us. And so you really have to opt out of the, of the like standard American diet food system in order to be healthy. The other, the other pillar of health that I think that, you know, that is totally neglected these days is sleep. That we know that sleep is so essential for encoding memory. It's essential for detoxifying the brain. It's essential for uh, obviously having good energy. Our hunger hormones go up and our satiety hormones go down when we haven't had enough 
less sleep. We don't make good decisions. We're more reactive. We're more stressed. Our hormones go out of whack in so many different ways. And it's, and, and just because we're not prioritizing sleep because we, again, like this glorification of busy, this idea that we should just be making our days longer by making our nights shorter and propping ourselves up with caffeine to do it. And, and that, that, and feeling like we're on this perpetual treadmill, it's very stressful. And, and of course, stress contributes to a, the majority of it, if not directly causes the majority of disease. So it's the kind of thing where like, just really the basics like, um, and, and exercise, right? The air being the other one, like where energy comes from, the food that we eat, the air that we breathe and the positive digestion of our life experience, according to Chinese medicine. And so, and, and in terms of fueling ourselves with air, that requires either having a breath practice or an exercise practice every day. And by exercise in Chinese medicine, like the, the classic exercise is something like qigong, right? Energy exercise, which is, you know, kind of most people probably are familiar with tai chi. And qigong is kind of the bigger category of like moving energy for the purposes of self-healing. And so really just like breathing and moving every day nourishing ourselves, getting enough sleep, these things are really challenging when uh, in a society that basically is just wants us to keep moving and producing and, and buying stuff, you know, like, and, and also not really listening, like really outsourcing, right? Outsourcing our sense of self-worth uh, by having to be perfect or having to like please other people and uh, outsourcing our, our responsibility for our healthcare to a pill or something that we take rather than something that we do every day. Um, there, there really is, and as you, as you, and I've both been talking about the profit motive, it's a, it's, um, it, it's real. And so it, and anyway, that if, if there's really one message that I want to get across to people is first of all, you're worth get taken care of, you, you know, that you're worth taking care of and that you're incredibly powerful at, at creating how you feel. And this is by no means to blame anyone for their illness, because again, we live in a toxic world where we're all exposed to, especially as women, we're vulnerable to the literally hundreds of thousands of new chemicals that are coming into our environment every year. And literally tons that, in, that are coming into our bodies and are, it, it, basically it's, it's, a, it's an onslaught of toxicity that we're having to protect against. And so is it any wonder that people are getting autoimmune disease and cancer and things like that at a much higher rate than, than even um, 40 or 50 years ago? So it's the kind of thing where like there is, we can be doing everything quote unquote right and still come down with terrible things because of we live in a toxic world and we're inseparable from our environment. That's something that Chinese medicine really takes to heart is that we're, that we are ecosystems. We have like, that, so basically nothing it's not enough to just treat it like one organ because you're because everything will affect everything else. And so that's really a beautiful thing about looking at the wisdom of, uh, you know, the wisdom of the sages and yogis. It's like, oh yeah, like all this stuff works together and there's so much that we can do in order to, uh, to support our bodies to work holistically as opposed to selectively breaking ourselves in order to not feel a symptom. Yeah, I mean, what a concept, right? To like really take it back to basics. Um, I love the idea that you brought up breath work. I actually prescribe that to a lot of my clients. Um, and, you know, I've heard them say, wait, what? Like, really? Mm -hmm. You want me to breathe? And I think that, you know, again, just with the energy aspect, I think that we go through our days taking shallow, shallow sips of air and it's that stress that's taking over our bodies. And so we're not really taking deep, you know, belly fulls of breath in our, our lungs and our body, and we're not really nourishing ourselves. And so that's where that stress toxin and the acidity starts to build up in our bodies. And just a simple breath practice, how it can break up the stagnant energy in your energy system and um, really calm your parasympathetic nervous system. And it really is that simple, but a lot of people want to overcomplicate things and, and think that, you know, it's like, it's been drilled in their head that it, it's got to be this long drawn out complicated process to really get health and well-being. Yeah. <laughs> it's really so simple, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's something that only experts can do, right? Like where, where what's actually happening is that that, that what you were talking about, the, the shallow breathing, it's a feedback loop. The breath tells the nervous system what to do 
and our nervous system tells our breath what to do there. And so the fastest way to affect our mind is through the breath. So if you believe that life is an emergency and you're going to be taking shallow breaths, you're also perpetuating biologically the, your body's assumption that there's still danger going on and that it can't relax. So it, breathing breaks, especially interspersed throughout the day, can be an amazing reset button. And it, and it, it really is that simple because if, if you are in fight or flight, your breath is going to be shallow and rapid. And that's, that's basically where we're supposed to go only in emergencies. But we, most of us go there all the time. And that really, if you're, if you're getting into fight or flight, even every couple of days, it's enough to elevate your cortisol levels, right? your, your stress hormones, and deplete everything else in the body, including estrogen and progesterone. And so being able to, to ratchet down the nervous system to tell ourselves that it's all okay can be as simple as getting the breath to be long and slow and deep and easy and gentle. And just that then, and coming into the low abdomen, that's like a, a really simple Qigong principle is this idea that, that if we, if we root the breath low in the belly, we get out of the domain of the chest, right? Of the heart or the, the, the domain of emotions. We bring it back to this grounded place of our, literally our center of gravity. Yeah, I think it's so imperative. And, and it's funny because I actually do breath work three times a, a day. I do it in the morning and at noon and at night. And what I find so profound about doing breath work is that you can, you know, stress is not only, you know, putting cortisol in your system and freaking out your parasympathetic nervous system, but it's also stressing out your adrenals. So, I mean, you're taxing your entire system and affecting it. And I think what is so powerful about breath work is that, you know, I got into it and started really, you know, uh, practicing it like on a legitimate basis. Like I knew I was supposed to be doing it, but when I actually started like, you know what, I should probably do this. Um, I noticed a significant difference in even I could be so busy in the office, totally wigged out, having 40,000 things going on on my plate. And it would be like so easy to say, you know what? I don't have time for that right now. I need to get this thing done. And I think that that's the um, epitome of our culture is this idea of, well, I don't have time for it because this thing in front of me right now is more important. That's where we put that self yeah. aside. Yeah, and that's that's my definition of yang addiction, right? Like in right. Chinese medicine, we know that we need a balance of yin and yang. That like that they need each other in order to exist, and that when you have a, that, you can't really have productivity and focus and energy unless you are able to go into deep rest. And you can't go into deep rest on a jacked nervous system. And so, being able to being able to relax, being able to wind down, to take breaks, to do less than we're humanly capable of, that is how we nourish our yin. In addition to honor our, honoring our bodies, and that you know, just the yin and the yang of the nervous system. Sympathetic or fight or flight mode is yang mode, and parasympathetic or rest and repair, where we're supposed to be spending most of our time so that we can heal and have energy and and restore ourselves it's like if we're if we're not allowing ourselves to do that if we're devaluing that we are devaluing uh, our ourselves at a very important level we're, we're we're literally saying to ourselves like yeah even though like that if, if you were and this is where I like I like to bring in a self-compassion practice into my coaching is that if you if your best friend was like I'm exhausted you'd be like, sweetie, take a break. Like you can do this tomorrow or like, you know, okay, like 10 more minutes and then call it good. Or, you know, like you would be compassionate as opposed to the most of, most of ourselves. Uh, we would, we would treat with an attitude of like, um, you know, like you're so, I can't believe you're so lazy or you haven't done this yet or you, you procrastinated it. And so you have to finish this. And, and, and it's, it's really, or, or feeling like obligated, feeling like we can't go to sleep until that last email is checked or until everybody else's needs are met. And it's really, um, yeah, I am here to say that, that breaking up with yang addiction and honoring our being, honoring our yin, honoring the, the inner knowing of our wisdom, honoring our emotional bodies, not, not expecting ourselves to be robots between eight and five every day, or like anytime any other human being is around, like that blocking the flow of emotion, blocking, blocking our ability to tune into ourselves, to even recognize that we need rest or that we need water or that we need exercise or, or all these things. We can't 
get to the level of the subtle and our own inner wisdom when we're moving so fast. Yeah. And I think what is so important is that when we do have this young addiction is that we do our priorities, I feel are off because we do think that that email or that project or that thing is more important when in actuality a year from now, it's not, you know, it's not going to matter. Your health is. And I think what I find so fascinating is, is one of the hardest times for me to do breath work is at noon because it's right smack in the middle of the day. But that's what I have found to be the most important because that's the one where I can get the most stressed out because I'm in front of all of the stuff. And what I have found is that right. I will take uh, 30 minutes to just calm my parasympathetic nervous system down. I will do breath work. I'll do visualization. I just calm myself down. And the beauty about doing this, and I've been doing this for several years now, but the beauty in doing this is that my creativity has gone through the roof um, by doing this practice. Because what will happen is, is as I calm down, it's like I start to get all these downloads and I'm like, oh my God, what about this? This would be amazing. And like all of these amazing projects have stemmed because I have allowed myself to be rather than do. And so I think well, that, yeah, I, I, I love that you brought that up and, and, and what you were saying earlier about just that, that the connection between stagnant chi and, and the breath in Chinese medicine is it's the lungs, right? The lungs are in charge of circulating the chi around the body. And so when we are, when we're being very intentional, also the lungs are, are said to control the liver, the liver being that organ that the energy stagnates in, or that, that's responsible for the free and easy flow of chi. And anytime we're stressed out, our liver chi stagnates. It's, it's like it grinds to a screeching halt and, and our whole nervous system tenses up. And you can tell that you have liver chi stagnation. Typically, um, if your neck and shoulders get tight, I mean, that's like kind of, that's probably the most common sign or that your breath gets shallow because the liver meridian enervates the diaphragm and ends there. So if there is this, if chi stagnation happening and you employ the lungs to regain their proper control over the free flow of energy in the body to get it moving again, then yeah, you open up, you, 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 you rat down the nervous system and you open up to possibilities and creativity um, because the liver actually has a lot to do with creativity, right? It's the spirit of the liver that is, um, that is, that gets ideas and plans and things like that. So it's a, it's something that, it, but it can't really get into that space when there is um, like we, we're, we can't be expansive and contracted at the same time, right? And so if stress contracts our energy and causes things to come to a screeching halt it, and our liver chi stagnates in Chinese medicine language, we can't be in a state of open to the possibilities um, it, and where, where when we're relaxed, our energy can expand outward and our liver chi is free to, um, to really employ its, its subtle level, which is uh, the spirit of the liver, which is known as the hun. Um, which is that ethereal soul that that can um, that can grab ideas out of the ethers and um, and can get inspired and can can uh, make a decision. Yeah, I think that that's the beauty in it is that if you can really embrace that side of it, that you know this idea of doing 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 really gets you nowhere other than exhaustion, and you have to try three times harder to get anything done because you are, you know, just so stressed out and the, the, everything is basically shutting down. But it, 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 you, as you mentioned earlier, it really is against our culture and counterproductive for us to slow down because God forbid we're going to fall behind and you know, we're not going to be able to keep up. It seems counterproductive, but I'm saying it's totally not counterproductive. Like your breath work allows you to have all this creativity that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. Um, same with me with taking walks. Like that, that's uh, something that I've just been doing 20 minute walks in the middle of my days and finding that it's so much easier to, to stay focused, to write. I get so much more done in those days when I'm allowing myself to take breaks other than the model of stay chained to your desk and ignore all signs from your body that you need to be <laughs> that you need to be hydrating or eating or moving or resting or shutting your mind off for a little while. Yeah, what a concept. So I'm curious um, for the audience who's listening today, 
um, you know, my audience is, is pretty much into all this woo stuff and, and pretty much on board with everything that we're talking about. But if somebody's listening to this today and thinking like, wow, you know, I've been taking eight prescriptions and eating GMOs and, you know, all this crap and, and I'm really overwhelmed. Where do you tell people to kind of start dipping their toe into this alternative way of healthcare and, and health and well-being and, and to encourage them to get started in it so that they start feeling better? That's a great question. And, and it's, I'd say that like everything in Chinese medicine, the, the answers are fairly individual. But here are some questions that I would pose is like, how do I want to feel? Like, what, what am I in this for? Why do I want to even bother making changes that seem big and daunting? Like what, what's important to me? You know, like do it that, and, and, and like, and don't stop at like, I want to be healthy or I want to lose weight because why, like, why are those things important? What's really underneath that? Do you want to have energy so that you can travel or so that you can spend time with, with your grandkids or so that you can, so that you can give your gift to the world or so that, I mean, like there's, there's always a why that's below the, the surface level of why we might want to be changes, be making changes in our health and, and our daily routine, because it does take work. And the good news is that it doesn't have to be hard work. A lot of the, in, in my group programs, we focus on this, uh, on, on a Kaizen strategy, which is a word that, that basically means small improvement. Um, and so like, just the idea that like every day, if you can imagine sticking a piece of paper underneath your feet, you're not going to really notice. Like it doesn't take much effort to stick a piece of paper under your feet, but at the end of a year, you're standing on a phone book and you're like two inches taller, right? And so it's that, it's that power of compound habits of doing at taking a small step that's going to get you in the direction of your goal. So once you dream big, once you figure out like what's your why, what, where, where are you going with this, then figuring out some way of ways that that's going to translate into concrete practice. And so if you realize that you're yang addicted, it may be like, okay, so is, is the most important thing. Um, and the, the other concept in, in um, I've studied a lot about habit change because that's sort of essential in helping people to actually succeed in making these changes. And so there's a notion in habit change science called a keystone habit, which is a habit that helps all the other healthy habits fit together. So for some people, it might be getting enough sleep. So an example of like getting enough sleep as a keystone habit is that for me, if I go to bed by 10 o'clock, I fall asleep easily. If I go to bed at 11 o'clock, I don't fall asleep easily because Chinese medicine clocks as the liver kicks in. That's when we start getting active and creating like that second wind kicks in. So helping people align with nature, like the, you know, is natural cycles. Um, getting to, you know, setting a bedtime for 10 o'clock means that the next morning I am more likely to not need caffeine to start my day. I'm less, I'm less likely to rely on sugar. I'm more likely to do my workout. I'm more likely to be able to get out of bed in time to have a morning meditation practice or a morning breathing practice or gratitude practice or journaling or like whatever helps people reflect on what's really important to them. So really like five habits happen as a result of getting enough sleep. Whereas for other people, meditation might be that most important thing, like starting their day from a place of centered mindfulness uh, in tune with your own values before you check Facebook and check your email and get derailed by the values of the world. For some people, meditation will be that keystone habit where they can get really intentional about what they want their day to look like and set a quitting time and things like that that, that might happen. Um, for other people, exercise might be that keystone habit. Then like when they, when they move their chi, then they have access to a sense of ease and, and centeredness that then allows them to figure out what's most important. And so it can take some, some playing with, like all these habits interrelate and support one another, but a lot of times figuring out, like if you just know it about yourself that like, oh yeah, if nothing else, like if it, or an, another habit that we focus on um, in my course is the idea of eating dinner at, and closing your kitchen by 7 p.m. Because again, the Chinese medicine clock says that there is there there's the least amount of chi in the digestive system, the spleen and stomach, after 7 p.m. and the most between 7 7 and 11 a.m. And so the idea of uh, that basically letting your digestive system fully rest, not eating after seven, means that you're not digesting while you're trying to sleep, which means you're going to sleep better through the night. You're going to lose weight. You're going to wake up feeling clearer. And it's like and it's amazing actually how easy it is for people to to feel all those benefits just by moving dinner time up a couple hours or just deciding that they're that they're not going to 
uh, that they're going to resist the urge to, to graze and browse the pantry in the evenings um, and recognize that there might be something emotional going on and that what they're after is not necessarily food. Um, so, th so these sorts of habits where we get curious about why we're doing what we're doing and which ones are going to have the most mileage to create this domino effect or upward spiral that is going to help us um, be doing kind of a whole lot differently in our lives. So uh, hopefully that was clear enough that basically like look at look at where you're going, look at what habits you think are going to take you to get there, what, uh, consider what might be your keystone habit and play around with it and, if, and, and then make sure that it's on your calendar because if it's not scheduled, it's not real. And while I like, and we're really like we're creatures of habit, we are not creatures of willpower. So if you're trying to start something new, it's like you're setting yourself up for failure by starting it late in the day. So like you're, you're going to want to, you're going to want to bring that new habit on board early in the day. Even if that's eating an earlier dinner, it could be that you're doing some food prep earlier in the day or something like that, that to, to enable yourself to succeed. I love that. I think those are three very powerful takeaways. The power of compound action. I love that. I think that that the analogy of the paper is brilliant because I think everyone can visualize that. The idea of the keystone habit and figuring out what that is. I'm totally going to try this seven o'clock dinner thing because I will admit I am <laughs> failing on that one because usually by the time I get out of the office, it's 7 p.m. So it may not be until 8 or 8.30 before I get dinner. So I think that's going to be a powerful habit for me to try. And then get, you know, get it, this idea of getting curious about your why. I think we, on a logical uh, mindset, we know that we need to know our why, but have we really stopped long enough to think about our why and why we are wanting the things that we want or why we're doing the things that we want and maybe why things are showing up for us. I think that um, that's a question that we get asked a lot, but you know, are we actually taking action and, and getting curious about you know, sitting down and really being proactive about why we are doing the things and wanting the things that we want. So I think those are three very powerful things um, that people who are listening today should really try. I think that those are um, three ways, practical things to really start making change in your life. Even if you're a pro at this, like me, I feel like I know everything you're talking about, even though I don't. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with the language that you're using because it's so similar. You know, everything that you're doing is what I'm doing in homes. But I think for even somebody who is brand new to this and is like, oh my gosh, this sounds like so much. I think these are three very easy things that they could start doing today to start making big impacts in their life. Well, and the, and the other thing that I'll suggest is small changes over time. So for you, it's like if you're currently eating dinner at 830, don't immediately try to go to six o'clock, you know, like there, the, that might actually that might you might try that and then think, well, this isn't going to work for me like that, uh, that whereas if you were to ratchet back or think like what what would need to happen in order for me to be eating dinner at seven, you know, like just to, to let let your subconscious chew on that and be able to to give yourself credit for slow changes over time. A lot of people feel like um, that, that they let small setbacks or like, oh, I didn't do it today, therefore it's not gonna work. But get, aim for a B minus, aim for just like, for, aim for just a small step in the right direction because even if you, even if you utterly, like, even if you're doing it like three out of the seven days this week that your, your, your new goal or your new habit, you're still gonna be, doing better than you were last week, right? And so giving yourself credit for the fact that these, these sorts of changes, the trick is to get them onto autopilot so you don't ever have to think about it. That's where we spend 40% of our day. But until something is on autopilot, it does take energy. And that's where we, we really have to know what we're in it for because otherwise it's, uh, it's really easy to, um, for, to let the short term, oh, but this is just easier because of course it is, like those well-worn pathways, um, both in our brain with neurotransmitters, but also these habit patterns that in yoga philosophy we call samskara, right? That these are, they're like a deep groove. And to launch ourselves out of that groove and start carving another one is very possible, but it definitely takes effort at first. So being kind to ourselves, having an attitude of self-compassion and trusting that small steps over time will in fact take you where you want to go is something I would encourage. Also if getting ever. support. 
you know, the, the word effort is, is the word that nobody wants to hear. <laughs> right. Well, and, that, and that's actually why, like, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, they're like, oh, can I work with you privately? And I'm like, yes, but I've been working with people privately in clinic for 15 years. And the, the amount of change that people are able to make in 11 weeks in a group setting blows my mind. It's like people, because people leave my office if they're seeing me once a month for maintenance or for, you know, for balancing their, their energy ecosystem periodically, they, they, they leave my office. They're all fired up to make change. They understand what's in it for them. They have a strategy, but then without group support or accountability or being able to, uh, being able to actually see where, where the resistance is coming from, because so often the resistance is deeper than what it seems to be. It can be rooted in these deep senses of who we need to be in the world. So for example, like if you survived childhood by being Little Miss Perfect or being the good girl or being the overachiever or being the one who took care of everybody else, it might mean that you have to do less of that in order to take care of yourself. It might mean that you have to set boundaries. It might mean that you that you decide that that you're going to you're actually not going to over deliver that maybe like actually um, holding yourself to the same standard you would hold any other human on the planet is good enough. And that, and when we start to do those things, it can be terrifying and the ego can, can re react and want us to stay stuck. And so this is where it's really helpful to have other people who are doing the same thing or to have a coach who's, who, who can hold you accountable to your own best interests. And so if you're trying to do this on your own, it's like, it is, it's like flying south for the winter, like birds do it together because it's easier. And so, and as just to bring it back full circle, you're going against the grain of an entire culture. And so like, it's hard. And so, and like, that's why it's hard. And so, and, and as women, especially like we evolve in what, well, like we, we can do our, our personal growth work in groups really successfully because of the tend and befriend response that physiologically that when we go into fight, flight, freeze, emergency mode, women are hardwired to, after the emergency's over, to tend and befriend. In other words, make sure everybody in the village is okay and wasn't killed by the tiger and look after the kids and look at, you know, like that we've got that like concern for what everyone else is, is doing. But, and so just by sharing our struggles with a good friend who's also on a growth path or, you know, a community that's like all in it together, it's like a self-care support group that people are able to calm their nervous systems in community by tending to each other, right? Or giving, giving other people the, the advice that's so often hard to give ourselves and being able to have somebody else call us out on like, oh, wow, you actually weren't being very kind to yourself just then. And that, um, and it's, so it's, it's one of those things where like it is, it's tough to go it alone. And that's one of the reasons that I think that um, being willing and vulnerable to, to band together and support each other, that's how, uh, that's how it becomes easier. Well, yeah, and I would definitely, what I would say to that is over the years, all the energy work that I've learned and, and really um, studied is that this idea of the tribal mindset and, and the idea of being tribal is definitely ingrained in women. But when our energy systems, when we're talking about energy, what I've really learned is that our energetic systems basically entrain with one another. So you kind of lift each other up and you do, it's like you become an energetic support system to keep everybody yeah. you know, intact in a more like fourth dimensional way. Absolutely. The ego stepping in and going, don't worry, honey, I got this. I totally right. got this, you know? And, well, and, and you can tap into that energetic field anytime, right? Like you can tap right. into that, that, those sources of support. And it's also, I think, really important to, to think about which relationships in your life are, are keeping you stuck, you know, like who rewards you for overdoing and, wow. it, and, and, and encourages those that, that the, the, the negative habits, right? Like, and, and is there somebody who would be threatened by you getting well? Is there, is there somebody who would be threatened by like, maybe you stop going out for drinks three times a week. Like maybe you actually start having like walking dates with your friends or something like that. It's like, yeah, relationships actually might have to change as you change. And so right, paying attention to who are the people in your life who are going to support the new version of you? Um, do those people exist? And, um, and if not, where are you going to find them? Wow. That's, that's a powerful message right there. I, I would definitely agree with that. This has been such a high vibe conversation, Brody. I knew that it would be. 
Um, if people are interested in learning more about you or want to learn more about what it is that you do, how can they find you? How can they stalk you? <laughs> I am at brodywelch.com. That's Brody with an IE and Welch with a CH. And all the stuff I do pretty much is there. I'm also on Facebook um, at Brody Welch LAC, which stands for Licensed Acupuncturist. Um, but yeah, on, on my website, you can learn about, I have a basics of Chinese medicine course, in addition to my group coaching program, Level Up Your Life, and an online Qigong class and a whole bunch of meditations. So if you're into this energy stuff and you want to learn more about Chinese medicine, I've got a lot of resources there. And then of course, my podcast, A Healthy Curiosity, it can, you can tune in weekly for um, all sorts of information uh, across the board, but from, from health experts to people who have figured things out and like how to be well in a busy world. And, and so I have, um, in, including, including obviously you, Amanda, uh, and people can get that wherever they get their podcasts. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been so much fun. I am. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks. I'm pretty sure that I say this every time, but every time I wrap up a podcast with someone, my mind is always completely blown. I just can't believe the high vibe conversation that Brody and I just had. And I always think that it can't get any better. And then I go off and top myself by having another freaking fantastic guest on the show again. I hope that you have taken away a lot of tips from this show. I know I did, and I know that I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again. She has such a great view on this idea, which we talk a lot about on the show with the idea of the over busy and the glorification of busy. In fact, Toby Fairley and I talked about this not only on her show, Design You, but she and I also talked about it and many of the other guests, this idea of self-care. So two of the major takeaways that I really heard Brody talk about is this idea that emotions emotions are the cause of disease and I'm starting to hear this a lot especially from functional medicine doctors and functional medicine doctors that are studying cancer and cancer cells we tend to hold information and emotions in our tissues and when we harbor them and harness them and do not release them guess what manifests so number two takeaway is this idea that stress stagnates the chi and causes the chi not to flow well. So again, if we tie this into feng shui, it's a direct reflection. So your home is speaking to you and directly reflecting back to you what's going on to your life and vice versa. So you have to get your personal chi right to get your feng shui or the energy of your home right. And the energy of your home has to be right in order for your personal chi and your energy to be right. I know it's freaking mind blowing, right? But here's the really cool thing. We are starting to elevate our consciousness. A lot of people are starting to wake up and we are soon going to be seeing this energy, this quantum physics stuff. It's going to start becoming everyday conversation. In fact, Nikola Tesla said at the beginning of the century, the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, quantum physics, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. And guess what? We're getting there. We are getting there. All right, everyone. I hope that you have enjoyed this show. I know I did. Man, that was a great conversation. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave us a note. We love hearing your feedback. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us at letschatatthegatescompany.com. You can head on over to the website, gatesinteriordesign.com. Sign up to get on the wait list if you're interested in learning more about feng shui. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Whew, that's a lot of information. <laughs> All right, everyone. Trust the vibe because the energy never lies. Never lies.